Hey, dealmakers, and welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. Let's do this. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. Our guest today is John Manfredi, our first architect we've we've had on the show. But what he has in common with almost everybody else that is financial free is they had a W-2 job. And somehow they realized that it really wasn't financial security at all. In fact, he got laid off in COVID and was trying to figure out what to do with himself and realized that his passion for decades has been real estate, architecture specifically, but real estate in general, and how he shifted his, his life to basically focus on apartment buildings full time not really having done any kind of investing in apartments before. How did he do that? He talks about some of the limiting beliefs he had specifically raising money and how he overcame that, how he built a team and the team he has right now to basically overcome his own shortcomings and build a strong team that allowed him through that team to get in, into development in apartment buildings as well. Fascinating story. Before we get into that, I want to give a shout out to Nisha, who gave us a review on Apple iTunes for the podcast. She says the podcast is engaging, informative. It's a great podcast for all sorts of listeners. Michael and Garrett do a great job of making sure the content is relatable for listeners who are new to investing. Anyone can learn from these episodes and they are entertaining. If you love the show, we'd love to have a review on iTunes as well. It exposes our show to more people. We want to make a bigger impact with people who have want to become financial free with real estate and maybe aren't thinking apartment building. So we'd love your review as well. Let's see. I also want to highlight people who have done a deal. And this week is Chad Sheeler. Chad Sheeler was actually one of our mentoring students. He closed his first deal on the 67 units in Richmond, Indiana. It was valued at just under $4 million. And congratulations with that on Chad. If you're looking for a mentoring program, we'd love to have a conversation with you. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. And the reason you would want a mentor is you want to have you know, achieve your goals faster. I'd say probably the average unit size for our students around 50 to 70 units, probably around $4 million, which may sound to you like a lot. But if you imagine if you're working with someone who has a thousand plus units, who has raised, you know, 20, $30 million, raising a million dollars is not a big deal to a full-time syndicator that you're working with. And that person is going to expand your comfort zone in ways that you would not believe possible. Also, what he or she will do is actually connect you with other students in our ecosystem who have access to capital and their biggest problem is finding a deal. And we bring together and join ventures. So even though a $4 million deal may sound like it's a lot, it's really our average deal size for mentors. So check us out, schedule that call at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. Now, one of the things that I hear a lot, almost in any market, but I think probably in recent times is, you know, should I wait to get started with investing? And I hear it from both active investors. These are people who want to be the entrepreneur, the operator to find deals, raise the capital. But also I'm hearing it from passive investors, right? Who are on the sidelines right now in cash, trying to figure out what's what. The stock market is wigging out. You know, there's multifamily and, and other asset classes, and maybe there's some distress in there. And so there's a lot of talk about waiting. And I think it's a mistake because, you know, Warren Buffett invests in times like this, when there's fear in the street, that's when he invests, right? When there's greed, he says, 
don't invest. And where everybody, when everybody else is investing, that's when the time when you not should not invest. And when there's fear, when people are not investing, that's the time to ask yourself the question, how can I invest? So I think it's a mistake to sit on the sidelines right now. There is a lot of fear, which is equal to opportunity. Figure out how you can start investing. So if you're a passive investor and you hear a lot about the stress in the market, interest rate and interest rate caps, okay, that is true for existing operators, okay? Stuff that we maybe bought in a year or two, but what about new opportunities? New opportunities are a vastly different animal. The interest rates are much higher than they were a year ago. Interest caps are much longer than they were two years ago. You know, two years ago, we we're buying two, three years. You're either getting fixed interest loans or you're getting very long, very expensive interest rate caps, right? The deals that are, are and then we get distressed assets. Distressed assets are people who cannot renew their interest rate caps who are operating in the red and they have to sell for pennies on a dollar. So the market's already down 15 to 20% from where they were in March of 2022. And now add distress over that. We're looking at deals right now where we can probably get these deals for 40% under value from where they were in March. That is an amazing opportunity. I think there's going to be more millionaires created over the next 12 to 24 months than we've ever seen in a very, very long time. So I, I caution you to not just wait. I encourage you to look for opportunity, really look for opportunity and be able to distinguish the difference between a deal that you see right now and a deal that you saw a year ago. It is a completely different environment. It's almost like we went from the top of the market in March 2022, last year, which is true. The lowest cap rates, the highest prices was literally a year and a half ago. And now where I would say towards the bottom of the market, we're at super high interest rates. The lending market is all volatile, all wigged out. Loan to values are super low. So now the pendulum has swung to the other side. And so really take advantage of opportunities you see right now. If you're if you're on the sidelines about, about becoming an operator or a capital raiser, don't be on the sideline. Now is the time to get your education, which is why I shouted out the mentoring program earlier. Now is the time to get your education and get in there right now so you can take advantage of these opportunities. Also, this is why I shout out some of these, these success stories. There's people every single week that are doing deals. They've been doing it since we started this podcast in 2014. People are doing deals in any market, and so can you. So definitely be encouraged with this. So with that, let's get into John Manfredi's story. Every story is a little bit different, but there are commonalities, right? And so John figured out how to go from W-2 to basically paying the bills with apartment building investing and now building generational wealth. Let's hear how he did it. John, welcome to the show today. Hey, Michael, how are you? I am doing great. It's great to see you at DealMaker Live. You're up on stage and sharing your story a little bit. We want to get into a little bit more deeper here. Also, more people will hear that story because it's a, it's a good one. So you, what made you get into real estate in general, right? We like, we, it probably started with rich dad, poor dad or something like that. And then, you know, what was going on at the time? And this may be years back. Oh yeah. Think, yeah. This is definitely think, years ago. Um, think, think about, you know, what was going on in your life when you first heard real estate and like, what did you think? Like, what were you, what was your ideas around real estate? Well, originally, the idea around real estate was was creating real estate. You know, back in seventh grade, I took a drafting class, and it was the first time I had had any involvement or anything to do with arch the architectural world and and buildings and what have you. And and I took a liking to it, and and decided then and there that I want to be an architect. Like once I figured out who builds these things, who designs and builds these these projects. 
I wanted to be part of that cycle. And so I, I went to college. I started doing architecture since, since 90, what is 91. <laughs> and at some point, real estate, you know, even be, above and beyond architecture, real estate, the value of real estate got into my, in my eyesights, in my crosshairs about 20 years ago. Uh, when I bought my first condo and and I only lived in it for a year and then I rented it out and I realized like, wow, this thing is appreciating in an amazing way. I'm making money from it. You know, let's learn more. And so I just started being a avid reader of all things real estate. And at some point I wanted to flip the script and become an, an owner or part of a the, the GP team. But it wasn't until after I lost my job that I realized that dream. What happened? Well, COVID, COVID happened. <laughs> like everywhere else, I, I had started a technology company years ago. So I'm used to going out on my own and starting businesses and doing something completely different from my, my, my training. I got into the, you know, the World Wide Web and I did that for several years. And then at some point after my child, my, my first child was born, actually my second child was born, I decided to get back into architecture. So I, I found a friend of mine that that worked with back in the day. He started a business. He needed some help. I was doing some software training. I've, I've, I, I teach at a couple of colleges in Chicago, and I've always done that, interior designers and architects. And so he needed some help. So I decided, all right, I'm going to freelance with this guy and it's, you know get the lay of the land of how the architecture world may have changed since my, my hiatus. And one thing led to another, and I was there for two years. <laughs> And I, I love the work, but then COVID happened and slowly but surely all the clients disappeared. Their budgets evaporated basically. And, and he had to begin to lay off staff and now has a skeleton crew. And I was one of the people that were let go and decided to do the real estate thing instead of working for somebody else. Now, so that's, that's interesting that that happened to you, but you could have tried to go get another job somewhere, right? Yeah. So in other words, oh yeah, and, absolutely, and, and, absolutely. So, but let me let me understand this, John, because and I I had a similar experience when I was broke with my restaurants and I needed money. Yeah. I yeah. was thinking I was thinking I'm going to get a job, and I decided to stay an entrepreneur because I liked working for myself. I knew that with enough work, there could be unlimited income potential, financial freedom, all that stuff. Okay. But at the end of the day, you got to pay your bills, right? So yeah. what made you believe that getting started in real estate would actually start paying the bills in your lifetime? Well, you know, you know, in the beginning, you know, my wife and I sat down and, you know, in the beginning, the layoffs happened across the board, across the country in, in the architectural world. But then shortly thereafter, there was a shortage of, of, of people, of staff, because a lot of people are retiring and ex exited the workforce. And suddenly salaries started increasing. So then I started getting offers to come back and work for different companies and work back from my previous employer. But by that time, you know, my wife and I, she's a she's a career coach. You know, she she took me, took me through a vision exercise and and all this other, you know, work to figure out, you know, where my passions lie. Because having lost that job due to COVID left a bitter pill and the bitter pill to, to, to swallow. And I I was always been a an avid student of, our, of real estate. You know, I knew that there was value there, but I always was stuck with, you know, a comfortable job, steady income, 
financial security. But then I realized with COVID, there's no financial security. When you work for somebody else, you know, you're at you're at their mercy. And and unfortunately, COVID opened my eyes to that. And and having already been through, you know, my own startup and business, I was comfortable leaving and not returning to the workplace and working for somebody else. But my wife and I you hit the nail on the head and realized that, you know, my passion through our conversations lie in real estate, all things real estate. And so she asked me, like, what, what am I missing? Why haven't I done it earlier? And and the reason was, well, I don't know how it functions. I don't know how the mechanics of, of real estate work. People come to me as an architect with budgets and I spend their money and I work toward their budget. I don't create their budget. I don't ask where the budgets come from. But if I'm going to be working on the other side of the table, I need to figure that stuff out. So I started looking for people in this in this space who can teach me that type of information. And so I, I think I found you in October of 2020 and, you know, read your book, followed you on, on YouTube, read everything you sent me, as well as, as several others. My wife and I talked about it like, you know, I think I want to get educated on this work through somebody who's doing it, who has done it, doing it. And I really appreciate the quality of information you put out. And so I decided, well, I'm going to I'm going to get some coaching. And I'm and I'm not going to go back to my 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 W2 job. I'm going to do this full time. And you know, we're fine. We have a house and you know, we've got some savings and what have you, but you know, now's the time to do this because COVID put us in a special place to you know, put a laser focus on our future. And and I saw the future as real estate, so did she. And followed your lead and took your took your mentorship program and and here I am a couple of years later. Still, still chasing the deals. Yeah, I want to, I want to get into, get into that. But right now, like you're full time, you you derive your income from real estate. What is what is that like? Like compare that to, you know, when you had a steady job. Like, what is your life? How's your life the same or the difference than than before? Well, a lot of the value that comes from chasing real estate is having control of my time. You know, I work for somebody else. I'm on a nine to five schedule, but architecture being such a draw on your time, it's more like nine to seven. <laughs> and the extra amount of effort and work putting into those projects didn't equate to any type of financial freedom. I was still working check by check, you know, paycheck by paycheck. And, you know, I wanted to invest in something more long-term. I'm, I'm fine with delayed gratification. You know, I, I'm happy working on projects that'll take three to five years to get a return on my investment. So, you know, I still teach part-time, but, you know, nowadays I'm more about educating myself, spending time with my family, you know, watching my kids grow. I've got, I've got a, a five-year-old now and a, and a one and a half-year-old and a 15-year-old. And it's nice to see them grow up while working towards something that is going to benefit us all through, through this real estate. And so, so that's why I spend my days. You know, I chase deals, you know, I, I, I work on occasion when I have to. To make ends meet, but you know we're 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 focused on this, and we're going to continue doing this into the future because I I I see the future in front of me, and and it's just about about putting the, the effort in and putting the time into it. What did what did you and your wife? It sounds like you you obviously she helped you create clarity around real estate, but yeah. at the end of the day, what how did you? What was your collective why when you guys agreed that oh it was good for John to get his you know, education in, in real estate and apartments, like, how did you sell yourselves on this? Like, what was the, what was behind that? Well, I think we just simply 
took our careers and extrapolated them out into the future mm. and, and figured out that, you know, going on the tr traditional track of, you know, investment through 401ks or stock market or what have you didn't sit well with either one of us. You know, I thought there was a, you know, you know, I looked at real estate as, as the vehicle that most, most wealthy Americans have gone through to reach their financial freedom. I knew it wasn't going to be working for somebody else. I knew that very quickly. And, and she knew that I was passionate about this work. You know, I love architecture, but I also, I love buildings. And so she knew that if, if, if John had the, the bandwidth to focus on this hundred percent of his time, we would all be well off financially. You know, we wouldn't have to worry because, you know, once I focus on, on any one thing, I'm very tenacious <laughs> and relentless. And so, and she knew that I knew that. And, and, and she also realized my passion. And, and unfortunately, you know, I, I set the passion aside for so long because I was, you know, family, you know, my job, I was being pulled in multiple directions. And now I feel like I, I, I found my place you know, like all the stars have aligned. Everything that, that I, that I created throughout my career, everything that I've learned throughout my career led me to this place. And we all feel very confident that this is going to be the way we want to move forward. We have no doubts. So you you read some books, podcasts. You knew that apartment's way to go. It sounds like your first step was to to get your education. And so you joined our mentoring program. Yeah. Why did you think that was a good step? Because a lot of people says, look, I don't need a mentor. I'm going to figure it out my own or I'm going to find someone at a local meetup. And, yeah. and why yeah. did you decide to, to invest in yourself in that way? Well speed everything that's out there that you know that your group produces or other groups produce i mean there's a lot of content out there in the world you know you can find this information on youtube you can you can download all kinds of pdfs off the internet sure you can take the slow boat to china and learn all this information but you know you know both my wife and i are proponents of of self education and improving oneself and so, you know, I looked at it from a standpoint, well, I can either go to college and get a degree, you know, a master's in real estate development, or I can follow somebody who's actually doing the work that I want to be doing, like yourself, and go down that road. And I don't, I, you know, I don't have time. I'm effectively doing this full time. I don't have time to spend a year or two putting all the pieces together, meeting the right people when I can just pay somebody and, and get a coach which, you know, we all are feel very strongly about coaching, you know, get a coach and and have them help me through this journey. Cause, you know, the kind of mistakes you can make in real estate <laughs> have lots of zeros behind them. <laughs> Multi-million dollar mistakes. I don't want to afford to have that problem. I want to learn by somebody who's doing it, who has done it, and has my back so that when I exercise these underwriting skills or what have you, someone can look at my shoulder and say, you know, John, you're doing this wrong or that wrong. You know, I want to have that confidence and, and that's where we are. If you want to work with a full-time syndicator to help you get up to speed faster, get your first deal done this year and scale your portfolio so you can quit your job, then check out our mentoring program. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. It's the only program out there that actually guarantees results. That's right. We actually guarantee that you do your first deal in the first year. Otherwise, we'll keep working with you. And set up a, a strategy session call and explore whether it's right for you. 
It's the michaelblank.com forward slash mentor. Yeah, I love that. So let's talk about your your first your first deal. So I, I think when you typically join our mentoring program, uh, first you're going to do a lot of learning. You're going to learn all yeah. aspects of of apartment building, investing, analyzing deals, picking markets, how to raise capital. And mm -hmm. at one point, you actually start calling brokers and mm -hmm. you start talking to investors. Mm -hmm. We actually mm -hmm. make you do that as part of our program. We're like, yes, yeah. you have to do this now. So so let's talk about your some of your initial challenges. Any kind of limiting beliefs that stand out for you or like, oh my gosh, I can't do this, or I'm not sure I can do that. I'm not going to talk to brokers. I can't do it. I can't, I don't want to talk to investors. Like what, what are some of the living beliefs that you remember that you were struggling with early on? Early on, I didn't have a problem with talking to brokers. You know, I've bought real estate in my, in my life, residential real estate, but you know, talking to brokers is, is no different than that. You know, one of the beliefs, limiting beliefs was, you know, money you know, raising the money, you know, that's a big one. Having not asked anyone for any substantial amount of money in my entire life really was an odd thing to, to think about, to wrap my head around. So that mindset shift was really important piece, which is what I, I figured I couldn't learn that on my own. I need to have somebody who's, you know, in your shoes, show me how you went through that effort so that I can understand the process. That was one of the biggest things. And, and really the the underwriting, you know, again, something I could have learned online, but I wanted a coach to walk me through the mechanics of, of, uh, of the Excel, you know, the SDA, and feel confident that the numbers that put together are realistic and not, and not just, you know, fluff, yeah, <laughs> fictitious that's, numbers. That's... But once I got over those two hurdles, mm -hmm. I got a huge confidence boost to continue the work and the effort. How, how much money were you able to raise to, to date, roughly? We raised $1.7 million in three days. Well, that's very interesting coming from a place of, I can't do this too. <laughs> I know, having right? I mean, isn't that, but isn't that, isn't that, isn't that crazy bizarre, to think about, it. think about it? It's, it's, like, it's like our minds simply get in our, in our way of our success. I mean, the, yeah. question, the question I have for you is how did you overcome that? You know, I like the idea of strength in numbers, you know, in the architectural world, I'm used to running teams. We don't do anything solo. At least, I mean, the way I practice, I work with teams. Engineers, structural folks, civil, landscapers, you know, a team of people come together to tackle a problem. When it comes to real estate, it's no different. So that confidence comes from gathering a set of people on a team that complement skills that I don't have. Because I do not want to do it all. And I know my strengths and my weaknesses. And, and so I try to find people with complementary skills that I like working with that can complete the, the, the team. And once that, that team crystallized, I was very confident starting to chase deals and making offers and putting in LOIs. And, and once, once I had that team behind me and, and the training combined, then I felt that the you know, sky's the limit. All right, so you started with, with John and some training, and then who did you place on the team and, and why? I had asked him when I met during one of your online meetups, you know, what online groups are out there that I should, that I should, that I should join. So mm -hmm. I, I, I jumped into a bunch of meetups, online meetups. You know, it was COVID, right? There's not a whole lot of, I mean, I'm in Chicago, so Chicago was in a lockdown. But I went online weekly, and I, I interfaced with these folks. And I met a couple people, one person from California who had been uh, in the real estate game for quite some time, but she was transitioning from an LP to a GP. 
And then I met another person who was a lifetime fix and flipper who wanted to transition into multifamily as well. And we got together and started looking at deals in Texas, of all places in Dallas. And then shortly thereafter, I, I wound up meeting another person from Iowa. Random guy lived in, he, he and I grew up in the same hometown, but I never, I never knew the guy. Uh-huh. But he was a real estate investor in Iowa, has a full-time W-2 job, but doesn't have time to chase deals. So he asked me to come over and, and, and take a look at Des Moines. I don't know anything about Des Moines, you know. So I convinced my other two partners that we should look into, into Des Moines for an, a potential, you know, area for, for, deal, for deal chasing, for deal flow. And Iowa was open for business. <laughs> Iowa wasn't closed for COVID. There yeah. was no mass mandates in Iowa. It's a, it's a red state. I like, wow, this is crazy. And so I wind up taking trips out there every month. It's about yeah. five hours for me. And so met, so that was my third partner. And then he had another friend who they, they, they invest in deals themselves, other, other types of projects, retail projects and other development deals. He brought him to the team. And so now the five of us liked each other's chemistry, our passion about, you know, chasing multifamily and started looking for deals in their backyard. They had the relationships and the contacts. You know, I had the time because I'm doing this full time, as well as my partner from California. And here we are. Yeah. How do you guys manage the relationship? Like who does what? There's a, there's a, lot, a lot of partners in there. Yeah. How yeah. do you delineate kind of who does what? So my partner, Michael, again, he's local to Des Moines. He's been in real estate for the better part of three decades. Again, he's the one with the W-2. So he invests in properties that, that come to his desk, but he's not overly active because of his job. So he partners up with folks to bring him deals. And he has the connections to brokers, to banks locally, and has a really good understanding of the lay of the land, what neighborhoods are better than others, where rents are, are better than others. And, and he also is a, he's a CCIM professional. So, so he, he's got a lot of good knowledge behind him. My other partner, Phil, is a, a, a CFO. And so we share underwriting through him. He's also a, a general, his, his company is a general contracting company. So they're heavy into construction. So now we got somebody with renovation experience who's a contractor, who's also CFO, understand the numbers. Yeah. My, my partner, Sonia in California, who's flipping from a GP to an, L, an LP to a GP. She has relationships with very affluent folks in California. And my other partner in, in Michigan, Pat, he has quite a bit of experience in the real estate game, transactions, contracts, transactions, working with brokers, that type of thing. And obviously, I have all the architectural experience to vet deals, to tour them and get understanding of what kind of CapEx is required to improve them from day one. I don't need to have a contractor follow me around. I, I can do the work myself. I, I talk to brokers and, and, and vet the deals very early on. And then I bring them to the team and it's like, hey, this looks like a potential project we should chase. And then we all collaborate on taking it apart. I can't remember the last time I spoke to anyone that was just a solopreneur in this business. I, I don't remember. It's it's no. so unusual. And I remember when I was flipping houses or in the restaurant business, it was always me. And everybody else I knew, it was always them. 
And I, I just find that shift from a team-based approach is just completely different to multifamily, which I think makes it more interesting, allows us to leverage our strengths and partner away with our weaknesses. And I, I love that. So yeah, talk about talk about your first deal. How did that come about? All right. So so Dear America Live, what was that? That was in 2021. I was three months into my training at that point. I had I I I landed in Dallas, and I'd already had meetings with, with brokers in Dallas to try to tra- chase deals in Dallas, one of the hottest markets in the country. But I figured, oh, what the hell? I'll give it a shot. From there, by that fall, I had met Michael, and I started taking trips to Iowa, kind of you know my backyard, right? So, so in the fall, I started doing that. We started putting in offers several offers per month on different projects. We got one tied up, but we we backed out of it a couple of days before the PSA was signed. I'd found some structural issues with the building that I wasn't privy to during the initial walkthrough. And I was like, that is not, that's not worth our time. The project that we that we took under behind me, it was part of a portfolio deal, five different buildings, 200 some odd units, some were exclusively studios. Some of the buildings were exclusively one bedrooms. It was a townhouse. There was a six unit building. It was a bunch of moving parts. And they all had something majorly wrong with them because in this market, the buildings are mostly a hundred years old. And the the one that we saw on this property was from the sixties. It had structural issues with the foundations, leaks. <laughs> it was a mound of issues. So we actually walked away from the portfolio. And then at the end of the year, we took a look at it again and like, you know, let me take a look at the zoning because, you know, I know I know zoning. So we, I realized that the six unit building on, on one of the parcels was on an acre of land and the zoning was for medium density. So I quickly realized that I can take, I can knock down a six, a six unit building and replace it with 16 units. And that works every day of the week. <laughs> and so as soon as I figured that out and brought it to the team, we were like, yeah, let's 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 chase that deal. Because we were literally looking for multifamily value add deals. And this one just fell in our lap and just got converted into a, a new a new a new build. So yeah, so then summer we went through the city council the pre-application process, uh, which allows us to ensure that the city is comfortable with what we're doing. Preliminarily without going through official channels. They all gave us a green light on what we were wanting to do. It turned out to be an 18-unit development because we picked up another parcel nearby. And that was the beginning of it. So we tied up the land in November of last year. The raise was in the middle of February of this year. And we're about a month away from starting construction on, mm. on the land. It's already been demolished. That's awesome. And that's is that the deal you raised $1.7 million for? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In three days, that's pretty cool. How how were you yes able to do that? No. <laughs> well, was it was that the, how was that possible that you can raise that much money so quickly? Okay, so in order for us to ensure that this deal was going to work, I had to put a lot of my time and effort into the development, mm-hmm. designing it, laying it out, talking to the city, making sure that we would get the entitlements we needed to to make this deal work. While my partner Phil had to run the numbers to make sure that from a financial standpoint, we can get it done for X and we can sell it for Y. So I had already produced a great many 
drawings, presentations to promote the project. And, and we started circulating to our network, our friends, you know, people that we knew in our, in our, in our circle. I'm like, Hey, you know, we're thinking about doing this deal. We don't have a, we're not starting a raise yet. We're still working through the numbers, but there will be a raise at some future date, but here's what we're doing. And we were just casually sharing with folks that we know in our, in our circle. And so when the, it came to the time for the raise, you know, I was obviously very nervous because, you know, I hadn't raised before. And, and a lot of the, the deals that my partners had were JV deals locally in Iowa. But because of the scale of the project, we, we, want, we need to get outside, outside money to, to do this deal. So once we promoted it and created our webinar and shared it with our contacts, everyone loved it. Like it, 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 it made sense to everybody. The numbers look great. They, they liked the design. They liked the layout. They were confident in the, in the makeup of our team collectively. And so the problem was that we we had a we're supposed to raise 1.5 million dollars and in a couple of days we realized that we were well over that number it was it was drastically more popular than we we any one of us had envisioned obviously a lot of locals participated in in the raise in in, in contributing and we had to rescind the offer <laughs> because we wanted we wanted you know we wanted to to collect those funds. So we had to rescind the offer, raise the limit and restart the raise. <laughs> so we had a, like a month delay. And obviously we're, 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 we're nervous that, well, maybe in a month people might've changed their mind. They might've invested somewhere else. There's all kinds of issues that, that, that happened in a month's time. But luckily everyone, except for maybe two people, everyone reinvested and we moved forward. Next time I'll I'll definitely put a higher limit on our raise and not and not go so so low. But we're we're coming to the bank with more cash, which cash is king these days. And we're proceeding forward with with those with those figures. Yeah, I, I love that. And 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 everybody says you're an overnight success, right? You do a webinar and you rave 1.7 million dollars in 3 days, but what I heard you say is that you were telling people about this months in advance. Yeah. You were you were talking Cause we, cause with them. Cuz we could yeah. yeah, but I think that isn't that the key to raising money is that you raise money. It's like you 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 dig you dig the well before you're thirsty, right? So you're raising yeah. money. Raising money means you're talking to people well yeah. in advance, and that's that's really what what you did as well. You were talking to people constantly, almost like reality show TV. You were telling them what's going on, yeah. and when you finally did the webinar, they're already familiar and comfortable with you and your team. Yeah. They're actually really familiar with the kind of project you were doing. So when you did a webinar, they didn't ask you big questions like, well, who are you guys again? And yeah. why should I invest in apartment <laughs> Who are your partners? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who are yeah. your partners? What's your trade? They already knew all that. And I think that really is the key to raising money is that you you will well, you want to start talking to people in in advance. Your group actually, you know, you all taught me the fact that, you know, you're not really you're not really ever asking for money. You're sharing opportunities. Right. You know, I had the mindset that, oh, I'm going to ask somebody for a certain amount of money to invest with me. It's like you're never asking. You're producing something of value and you're sharing it with, with an, your, your audience. Whether they decide to invest in you is another thing, but you're constantly sharing opportunities and it doesn't stop. It's, it's, it's ongoing. You know, conversation is always what's next. What's on the horizon? What else are you working on? Yeah, but we're always talking that. about opportunities and not asking for anything, really. So aside from having a higher limit to give you flexibility to raise capital, what what would you say 
it was a lesson learned that maybe you guys would do maybe differently next time. <laughs> Besides racing the limit? Yeah. I can't, I, can't, I can't say I would change anything, really. Understanding the, the I guess, going through that, that analysis of, of saying, well, you know, how much could we possibly, what is the maximum amount of, we can possibly raise and still have a loan through the bank and still make it beneficial to the, to the investors? You know, that, that kind of balance between, you know, debt and equity. We could have had more conversations about that from the get-go. We were just thinking about traditionally, you know, we 30% down for the bank. So we're only going to raise X. And and I guess we could have spent more time kind of thinking about, you know, how it how the financials lays out. Yeah. Stress stress testing it of, of you know, what if we take more money? What if we take less money? Yeah. Yeah. We would well, do that. I, I think we'd definitely do that more. One lesson, not that you do differently, but one thing you did really well is stay in touch with that deal. Right. So there's a lot of deals that come and go for one reason or another. And I mean, I, I swear we get like 30, 40% of our deals from deals that went away for some reason. Either someone yeah. bought it, didn't close on it, or stood on the market, whatever. And then, so you yeah. stayed up with that and you were very resourceful in in what you did with that with that property, which is which was brilliant. I mean, you you literally created a deal out of thin air. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I love that. All in all, it's it took us, I mean, if you think about the when we started to look at it, I mean, that's a year went by. You know, and we walked away from it for six months, and then we came back to it thinking because it hadn't traded, you know, because everyone saw what we saw in terms of the the issues with each of the properties. But we didn't give up, and we're like, you know, let's take a look at this from a different lens and a little be a little more creative and think outside of the box, and that really helped us along. Definitely, looking in the trash bin <laughs> is yeah. is a good place to look for recycled deals. So, what's next for you guys, John? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, well, I, I've begun to kind of broaden our markets. You know, the way I feel is, you know, if, if I know the, a particular market, like the back of my hand, and I can, I can talk about the different neighborhoods and the rents in those neighborhoods and, and what price per door we should, we should be able to, to see in those neighborhoods, then I think I've known that, that area pretty well and I can move on to the next area. And so that's what I've done. I've met some people, some of them through your program that are active in Atlanta. I've always liked Atlanta. I think there's a lot of growth left in Atlanta. You all are in Atlanta. I like it better than Texas. I started a mastermind group of people, like-minded individuals who like Atlanta. One of my partners has joined me on this journey and, and we vet deals in the Atlanta marketplace. And I'm gonna pick up another one in Indiana. I'm from Indiana originally. So I'm beginning to to look in Indianapolis area where my my family some of my family still lives there, and so I'm picking up new markets, and you know shaking the trees and trying to find deals elsewhere besides besides Des Moines. Yeah, I love it, John. How can people connect with you? I am pretty active on LinkedIn. Just find John Manfred on LinkedIn and feel free to connect. My I have an open door policy. Happy to connect with anyone. Anyone has any. Any questions for me regarding the the development space? Happy to answer them. It's not it's not for everybody, but you know I feel comfortable in this in this in this place. But yeah, happy to reach out to anybody and and, and connect. That's awesome. Well, thanks for being here on the show and sharing your stories. Great having you here. Well, thank you. I mean, I I really got to give your your team 
a lot of props for uh, putting me in in the right track. And I'm happy that, you know, what I expected to get from your group came to fruition. Uh, so I made the right bet. And I really appreciate all the all the work you guys do of of helping people along this journey and removing the horse blinders from us all and realizing what we can do with the with the real estate space. There's a lot of good lessons in here for me. One of them was to start raising money early. Okay, it's it's a low probability play to get a deal on a contract and then start raising money and start talking to people, right? It's not going to work. It's just not going to work. And therefore, we always teach to start raising money early. Raising money does not mean that you're actually raising money. It means that you're having conversations with people around you. This is exactly what John did. He had conversations because his deal cycle was so long. Now, if you don't have a deal cycle that's so long, then it doesn't matter. Use a sample deal package which is basically what another thing that we teach that allows you to create an investor package with a, a real deal that you don't have. And you use that as a conversation piece to have the conversation around investing with you. And you start that right now, whether you have a deal or not. So definitely start raising money early. Another key lesson is really invest in yourself like John and many others have done. I get the question frequently, you know, I got a certain amount of money. What should I invest in? Should I put it in, a, in an apartment building or, or mobile home park? or something? And the answer is no, don't do any of those things. If you have money to invest, the first thing you should invest in is yourself. And the reason is the ROI you're going to get from that is always going to be much higher than any other investment that you can possibly make. So definitely invest in yourself because, because that will help accelerate your goals, allow you to do bigger deals and get to your goals faster. And at the same time, avoid the bigger mistakes. So definitely check us out at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. It's a no obligation phone call. I highly encourage you just to do that if you're thinking you might want some help and, and, and meeting your goals faster. The other lesson really is to stick with the deal. If someone, maybe you lost a deal, okay? Maybe someone outbid you and they lost and you lost it and you're all sad. And, you know, a lot of those deals don't close. So 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 talking with your with your brokers on a constant basis, hey, what you got going on right now? Some of those deals will come back to you. In the case, John just stuck with that deal and, and he figured out what else can I do with that? He got he got resourceful, which is awesome. Teams are so important. And he it's it's important to realize what you're really good at and what you love to do. Okay, everybody knows what those are. And then find a partner or partners that complement you. Now, maybe five is a little bit too many for the team, and that's fine. Everyone's a little bit different, but build a strong team. Your team could be perfectly fine with you and a partner in the beginning, or it could be maybe a third person. Uh, but just be clear about your roles and responsibilities so that they're clear, clear delineation. Another another thing that he mentioned was starting a mastermind. He did that earlier. I You should definitely do that. I'm a mastermind that I started five years ago with a few guys whose names you may recognize. Okay, But back in the day, we maybe had four or 500 units, and we had said, hey, why don't we all get together? in a virtual mastermind. So definitely, definitely, whatever community you're in, in our case, it's a dealmaker mastermind community. If you're in that community, you know, reach out and just create a, a mastermind with seven other people and just meet every other week. It is amazing what that will do. Now, if you are listening to this going, hey, this is really cool. I don't really have the time to do all this stuff, but I have some money to invest. We'd love to have the conversation with you. Our investing firm is called Nighthawk Equity. That nighthawkequity.com, just go there and Click the join button to join our investor network. We, and that starts off by having a conversation. We want to get to know you and share some of the upcoming opportunities you might have. So check us out there as well. So with that, hopefully you guys were encouraged. Let's do that deal. Catch you next episode. Thanks for listening. 
take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, head over to themichaelblanc.com vault to gain access to our Freedom Vault.